0: You're listening to Man Me Barbecue, the podcast, with your host, Mikey K. Our sponsors are Manbecue and Myron Mix and Smokers. If you don't know who Manbecue is, you better check it out. They're one of the coolest things to barbecue around. We do a meetup on the last Thursday of every single month. Let us take over your backyard. Let's see how much fun we can have. Looking for a new cooker? Look no further than the American-made Myron Mix and Smokers. Maybe you're a backyard enthusiast, maybe you're a restaurant owner, maybe you're looking to get into the catering game, they can accommodate it all, so make sure you go over to MyronMixandSmokers.com and check out your next rig, and when you email them, tell them Mikey from Man Meat Barbecue sent you. So let's not waste any more time, and let's get into this fucking podcast. We are going to take the podcast in a little bit different of a direction today. Um, obviously, we're a barbecue podcast, we talk about cooking all the time, but what's more important in your cooking arsenal than a sharp knife? Um, I don't know that there that there's an answer for that. They're, you know, obviously a good cooker, yes, but a sharp knife helps you do so much and these lovely people know all about it and they they developed a product that makes your life a little easier. Which we're all we're all into that. So um, workshop it's workshop uh, workshop. I'm gonna try that again. Work Sharp culinary on Instagram. Um, if you haven't heard of them, they make an awesome electric knife sharpener. Um, and it it it's the way it's it's a belt sharpener. So it's a little different than like your old school kind of what a lot of people remember their parents doing with two grinders that kind of destroyed knives. <laughs> um, so. They developed a system to almost make it idiot-proof, which is awesome. Uh, so I want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast with us, sharing your guys' story, kind of what you're doing, and and talking knives with us because I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Excellent. <laughs> so um, introduce yourself, give us a little bit about you guys and all that if you can.
1: Uh, my name is Dan Dovel. I'm the uh, engineer, the inventor of a lot of our sharpening products here at WorkSharp um, in Ashland, Oregon. Um, we're a fourth generation family owned company. We've been in the uh, sharpening business for uh, uh, 40, more than 40 years, and sharpening you know, sharpening's our business. So we understand uh, understand you know the importance of edges, and we're actually really good at uh, helping you get to sharp edges.
0: You are you are i yeah. love mine it's fantastic it works very very well um and like i said it's it's damn near idiot proof
1: yeah, excellent thank you
0: which is i mean and now now it is that you just kind of kind of have to do that it's it's a beautiful design it's very small it's lightweight the machine is not um, a burden you know what i mean cuz i guess i think it's when you think about sharpening knives a lot of people get overwhelmed because they think i got to own a bunch of stones i got to you know, I got to do all this stuff, and and you guys really make it really simple.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the thought. You know, with we, we've got a range of products we do, um, from you know if you're really into knives, kind of a knife nut, and you want to you know tweak the knives, modify them, do all sorts of stuff. We sell products for that, and then we design this sharpener basically to make sharpening really, really easy. To break it down as simple as it needs to be. You know, it has the capability to add a lot of accessory you know, attachment to it and and really turn it into the knife nut sharpener. But at its core, the idea is, you know, push the button, pull through till it shuts off, and your knife's sharp. You don't have to think about it much. It's you know, focus on ease of use. Yep. And you're gonna make a really sharp knife. And then you can
0: you can use the expansion pack that gives you that gives you a little bit more different belts that the it's a finer grain so that it'll it'll bring the edge to a little bit sharper am
1: i correct 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 yeah if you want to if you want some bragging rights edge we call that you know where you want to show off and and uh you know cut free hanging toilet paper that type of thing you can basically (laughs) go through a belt progression and make a you know a highly refined you know mirror polished edge um those are great and they're they're really good for in you know very limited applications because the an edge that fine doesn't seem doesn't hold up as well on most knives as a more toothier edge will and so we focused on the the base kit to give you a uh, a burr free toothy edge i like to call it you know kind of entry level shave this is a knife that will shave but its primary function is cutting it slices great it plunges great
0: yeah
1: you know and we get there really quickly and it holds its edge really well
0: now when you guys were kind of developing and doing uh, kind of like doing your R and D and all that stuff. What were some of the struggles you had to go through? Cause obviously not everybody, not every knife is created equal. Um, yeah. Certain knives are higher steel quality. Certain knives are a l- lot lower steel quality, lower steel quality tends not to want to sharpen.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's eight. a challenge
1: It's definitely a challenge that the the range of knives you'll see in any one sharpener can be, uh, you know, not just the steels, but also the starting geometry. You know, we've got some sharpeners where you can stick a big, heavy, like a BK2, you know, a a very thick quarter inch thick knife into. And then the same knife can sharpen a, you know, same sharpener can, can handle a scalpel. And so this sharpener, the primary focus was to fit better inside your kitchen or on your countertop. Yep. And so one of the biggest challenges with that is getting it clean enough and quiet enough. Cause we build, you know, at our heart, we build tools that really, really work. Um, and the, one of the challenges here was to make this thing work really well inside of, you know, on a kitchen inside of a clean countertop thing. And that makes a, you know, a, a challenge for something that's got to basically grind, you know?
0: Well, I mean, it, it, it's very compact. Yeah. You know, when you think, when you think, um, High-end knife sharpener, I would uh, it, not necessarily saying that you, you think big, but you th- like you think bigger than your guys's unit. Like I yeah. for sure think bigger than your guys' unit, but it it you don't need it. It it works tremendously.
1: Yeah, yeah, we took the. We have another sharpener we sell that we took basically just about all the features of the other sharpener. It's about twice the size and volume and stuck it in this smaller package. So you don't eat up a lot of space on the counter,
0: yeah. you
1: know, and then uh, putting in. So the sharpener has a, you know, a vacuum and filter system inside of it. So as you're sharpening, you're not making a mess. You know, that's all collected inside the system. Um, one of the biggest ones is just run the thing very, very slow. So this has a, you know, you saw this, it's got a speed control built into it. And to run that thing down so slow that you're not, you're not at risk in taking off too much material off your knife. You're not going to damage your knife through, you know, any, it's, it's so slow. It's never going to warm the knife up. It's not going to, you know, uh, nick your tips or anything like that. It's It's also not uh, going to
0: pull your hand if you, if you kind of lose correct. grip, grip of the, correct the knife you know safety i'm sure was a big part of it
1: yeah oh definitely Um, one of the standard demos i do is you know i I open it up and just stick my finger in the belt while it's running and it runs so slow you can just hold your finger on it and won't even warm your finger up it's it's such a gentle device the idea was make this you know as foolproof as we can get a sharpener um it still has a capability to speed it way up if you've got a knife that needs you know needs some work but it's its go-to, you know, process, the standard process is just gentle. Most kitchen knives don't need a lot of work. You know, even filet knives, butcher knives, if they're maintenance fairly regularly, you should shouldn't need to do much work at all on them. So we tried to minimize the amount of work needed to do the knife because it in one just makes your knife last longer.
0: Yeah, it definitely makes your knife last a, a hell of a lot longer. Um, especially yeah. if you're using if you're using a honing steel um, I think that's one of the things that most people don't tend to use yeah. in the, on their knives is they won't use a honing steel each time and they forget how important that really is. Um, it, it, it helps keep the edge where it needs to be without, without resharpening.
1: Yeah. Yeah, correct. And so we package on our, on our you know culinary line, we tend to package uh, a, a manual solution with each, you know, either in or with each sharpener that way, You've got that solution um, without having to go back to the power sharpener all the time. That one makes your knife last longer. The other, the biggest thing for me is if you, the more frequently you touch that edge up, like you were saying, your knife your knife stays sharp. We don't want you to recycle where you've got a really sharp knife and then two months later you've got a dull knife that needs sharpen. I'd like you to stay up at a really sharp knife all the time. And so having that honing solution, you know, an easy way to hone either on the machine, we've got, we can hone in the machine or you can hone separately. If you want to put the machine away, um, that helps ensure that your knife's always sharp. Every time you pull it out, it's going to cut well. You know?
0: And I think what people tend not to forget or tend to forget is if you don't run it over that steel, it, the, 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 Blade almost, and correct me if I'm wrong. It kind of almost like not bends over itself, but kind of just you know dulls out slowly.
1: Correct. Yeah. And, and you if, mean- if you wait, if you wait too long in between stealing it, then the steel's not going to be able to recover it. The steel can only do so much work. Yep. And so it's something you have to use frequently. You'll see the you know a butcher shop. Um, I work with a, a lot of fishmongers. These guys that are breaking down you know commercial fishing on our Oregon coast and. Um, these guys will carry a steel on each side. When they're, when, for instance, when they're working on tuna, that's really hard on knives. And so they're uh, touching those edges up. They'll do two or three cuts, especially as they're getting into the fish. And so they're going through some yeah. hide and stuff. It's pretty cartilage is pretty tough on the knife. They're touching it up every two or three cuts, and those knives will stay sharp. You know, they'll, I've, I saw one guy go through thirty large tuna when, when one of our boats came back in and uh, never touched his knives other than stealing it frequently. If he had waited, you know, gone th- through two or three fish, there's no way that steel's going to touch it up. So it's it's you've got to do that frequently, and that makes sure the edges last longer. You know, you also
0: got to clean your steel. Yeah, <laughs> something yeah. that I think a lot of people don't realize—they don't clean the steel—and then after a while, like the steel doesn't work.
1: Yeah, yes, it's getting the, loaded up.
0: Yep. It's, it's getting it's getting those little, it, almost like metal shavings that kind of go inside of it, and then there's it doesn't have its rivet or its ridges anymore. And it won't, it won't do its job. And then the thing I do like about your guys steel for, especially for people that are um, just starting is it gives you a guide for the knife. It gives you that angle that you want to pull that knife at, which after a while, like now, I mean, like it's nice to have, but I've been doing it for so long. Like I just kind of, it's, it's just second nature. You know what I mean? and you don't yeah, think about
1: it anymore. I kind of call it training wheels. We you know, I try and design the sharpeners so that we're teaching you the the technique and the muscle memory with with our guides and yeah. then once you learn it's it's kind of, you know, riding a bike thing, but once you learn that muscle memory, you just know where to go. You'll know how much pressure to apply, you know, how much force, you know, the goal in the end is eventually you get to the point where you can touch up your knife daily and, and always have a sharp knife. And so this, this task of going through and fixing chips and stuff, those happen generally when your knife is so dull, you're using a lot of pressure, you know, yeah. you're having to chop through something and you're starting to do a lot of but If you think about breaking down a large cut and you start, you're breaking down a shoulder or something like that. And you've, you've got, uh, uh, a dull knife makes you kind of have to force it and you start doing a lot of bone engagement and that'll, you know, that's a counterproductive. You start taking a dull knife and making it much worse because you're, you're hitting the, the cutting board or bone just way harder than you should. A sharp knife. You probably don't even have to touch it. You can just glide along the bone and, and strip a, you know, strip a cut down really quickly.
0: And what I, what, um, I hear a lot is, well, I'm a little scared to sharpen my knife.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, guys, we- let's break it down. Dull knives send you to the hospital yeah. Sharp knife stone.
1: And we get the the, the <laughs> hesitance. Sharpening can be intimidating, especially somebody that's bought. You know, There's a lot of gadgets out there, a lot of stones. If you just go grab a stone and go try and teach yourself, you can definitely teach yourself. It's a skill that's that's attainable by anyone. And um, it I, just did, I did takes love practice. it.
0: Don't get me wrong. I love the stone. I love the stonework. But ever since I got your sharpener, your, I haven't used my stone. Um <laughs> just because it it is it's a little bit more of a setup yeah i have two wet stones so you got you got to you know you got to soak them you got to get them ready then i got to glide on one side flip the stone glide on the other side switch over to you know to go through four stones where if i want to switch two belts really fast on yours it's it's simple it's quick it's easy
1: yeah yeah and you don't have to deal with the water and the mess so that you know yeah it is kind of fun to sit down and steal water stone a knife you know when you want but, yeah. but in reality, you if the you, time. yeah yeah correct <laughs> now yeah, now it's to me it's kind of like if you if you own a pellet you know smoker or a pellet grill it's it's uh i, I i'm a uh i was a stick burner purist purist for years and then i went to charcoal because it was just less to deal with mm-hmm. and then uh you know, get the get get the bed going sooner with that, and then I finally broke down a couple of years ago and bought my you know one. I I bought it just to say, okay, I'll, I'll use a pellet smoker, but I'll, I'll just have it for. Yeah, it's too convenient now, and and I'm a diehard, diehard fireman, and and the, the pellet grill is too easy to go out and flip a switch and have my fire going and the temperature right in ten minutes and not have to.
0: <laughs> See, that's why I can't call. That's why anyone that uses that only I can't call them a true pitmaster. Yeah, I just can't. When someone's yeah. like, I'm a pit master and I smoke on a pellet, are you? Yeah. No are I, you?
1: I can fully admit that in a case of a pellet, it's just not the same. I never get the same smoke off a pellet. That you right, do you don't.
0: Yeah. It just it's, it's just, not it's not fully the same. Uh, yeah. now I want to ask you this question. Cutting boards. Obviously, importance in cutting boards are super important. What should yeah. you look for in a cutting board um, to help keep that knife super sharp? Also, what are what are some cutting boards everyone should always stay away from?
1: So glass, um, just stay away from it. Glass is popular with some people because it's easy to clean. It's a solid, hard, solid surface, so no meat juice gets into the glass. You know, it's, it's a very easy thing to keep hygienic and clean. It is horrible for your knives. I don't care what your knife's made out of. Your knife can be made out of ceramic the glass is going to damage that knife really quickly. There's nothing worse for a knife than a glass cutting board. So any glass, hard surface cutting boards, um, you'll see cheese boards made out of marble or stone or something like that. That's not meant, that's meant for a serrated, you know, a butter knife type of thing. Never put a fine knife on those. It, it, there's no quicker way to take an edge off than one cut against a glass. <laughs> um, I, I'm a little indifferent to, you know, as a as a preference. I think it depends on what you're using um, on the board, I stay away from the really hard materials, even the harder woods for knives um, and I also try and stay away from very soft stuff there 's um, some of the really soft, grippy plastics do a great job of holding on to your meat when you 're cutting it, but if you engage that too hard with your knife, you can when on thin blades, you can actually start chipping the edge just because the knife sinks into it too far. You know, and so the the classic maple, um doesn't have to be even really hard maple or anything, works great. Um we actually like a little bit of softer woods. We played around with our own cutting board designs and stuff. And the the softer hardwoods, you know, even into we played with cedars, you know, and great knife engagement. It keeps the you know, part of the cutting board's job is to keep whatever you're cutting stable. And so yeah. the plastic cutting boards are actually really good for your knives, but even with the textured boards, whatever you know, if you're cutting, you know, think of a, a wet potato it wants to slide all over the board. Whereas a nice softer grain wood board, you know, you get everything on it stays planted better. And it's more of a safety issue. Is you don't want you don't want to be chasing what you're cutting. You no. Know? So Bad plastic you. works great. Plastic's actually good for your knife i just prefer the softer natural woods i like bamboo it's got enough grain to it it tends to as it gets wet it raises that grain a little bit and it tends to grip the wood really well too they don't last as long as as the you know hardwood boards do but um they're also really inexpensive so yeah you know
0: they're 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 not they're not gonna you know break the bank every time you need to go buy one
1: and never go too small i see a lot of people um a lot of the you know cooking competitions and shows I go to are using a board that's way too small for what they're cutting. If you're trying to break down a brisket or you know prep a you know large cut of meat, you know having a 12 inch you know wide board when your when your your meat's 30 inches wide is not just doesn't work.
0: Why not? Come on, it totally makes sense.
1: <laughs> and it's kind of gross when you're when you half of your rack of ribs is hanging over into the sink or onto the counter. You know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're like, okay, cool thanks
1: and having that you know like i say it's it's having that surface just like when cutting it's the the board serves as if you you remember you know you're stripping a silver skin off of a a rack of ribs yep you're doing that with a you know on on a skating rink of a a very smooth slippery board you know that's that's a lot more work and a lot more hassle than having a board with some good texture and friction to it you know Yep. yeah absolutely haven't found anything better than just good old wood boards you
0: know. Now what should somebody look for in a knife?
1: Um that's there's a lot of personal preference in knife. Of uh, course. So but the what first are, place to go if, is it's got to feel comfortable in your hand. You know. Don't go buy a twelve inch long, you know, chef's knife because you saw your butcher using that thing. That guy's got a knife in his hands twelve hours a day. He knows how to use a nice long blade. So for most people I find their your blade control is much better when you use a seven or eight inch knife max. If you're doing a lot of breakdown on animals, if you're, you know, breaking chickens down any poultry or just buying hole cuts and and breaking those down into muscles, individual muscles. I tend to prefer for a a seven inch knife. That's where I go. It's a little shorter than the standard, but the amount of control you have on that short blade allows you to be a lot more efficient with it. And if you're not, now the, the caveat to that is short blades have to be sharp. Yeah. When you have a nice long blade, you can saw with a thing. So if you have a nice long 12 inch blade, you've got a lot of blade to saw back and forth to make your cut. If you try that with a seven inch blade and it's dull, you're not getting anywhere. So, Short blades are easier to control. Short sharp blades actually will produce will be just as productive um, as a long sharp blade will, but with more control.
0: Yeah, I tend to I tend to prefer a shorter blade, uh, but yeah. that is that is personal preference. Um, yeah. So I just I just I just prefer the shorter blade, and yeah. I just keep it razor really sharp. Yep.
1: Yeah. Blade steels they you know blade steels really took off the last fifteen twenty years, and uh, the the sky's the limit you can you can buy a great a great you know seven eight inch chef's knife um, for uh forty dollars you know for an import knife you can get a great USA made knife for even eighty dollars you know or get a Japanese knives for a hundred dollars in that price range with, yeah. with very good steels and then it's really easy to quickly go to two thousand dollars. There's very little difference in edge holding and overall performance between a eighty dollar knife and a hundred and fifty dollar knife There's not a lot of added benefit to that. Um, they tend to get a lot prettier with that, and they do hold an edge longer. The one thing that i've that i would I would you know convince people or tell people there's a benefit for buying up in steels when you buy a more expensive steel, it allows the knife to be made thinner without being fragile you can make the blade thinner and harder and so that's one of the big advantages of paying for a higher end steel is you can make a blade thinner and it requires even less work and it'll stay sharp longer but the biggest thing is because the blade's so strong it can be kept really thin and require less work to go in anybody that's got arthritic problems or any carpal tunnel or issues with that the first thing i recommend is is upgrading your blade steel so that you can get to a thinner knife yeah, it cuts with less effort. You know, especially if you're taking big deep cuts, the thinner that blade is, the less effort it takes to cut.
0: Yeah, and that, that's just going to make your life a little bit easier. Definitely, mm-hmm. um, I could totally see. Uh, you know, the higher quality steel, it's gonna co- it's gonna cost you a little bit more. Yeah, it will. Yeah, it does. It But it, it's whatever. Uh, the one, t- t- yeah, the one thing I tend to tell people to stay away from is ceramic knives. Um just because you can 't really resharpen a ceramic knife um, once it loses its edge once it kind of chips and nicks it's yeah. pretty much out the door.
1: We sell a kit for our belt for our belt sharpeners to sharpen ceramic um, but it doesn 't hold its edge forever, and because of the way it has to be sharpened, the kit's rather expensive to sharpen ceramic you know um, my experience we 've done a ton of testing around ceramic knives when they first came out a number of years ago. And for certain applications, ceramic is a rock star. They're actually, they cut better. They tend to, um, food tends to stick to them less. So there are certain vegetables where ceramic is a, is a, actually a good solution. It's a pretty narrow application where ceramic will outperform steel. Um, without a doubt on raw meats, the um, steel outcuts ceramic all day long. And one of the reasons being is a ceramic knife is inherently brittle And so they have to make the blade thicker than a steel knife. Yeah. And so if you were to buy a hundred dollar ceramic knife and a hundred dollar steel knife, the hundred dollar steel knife is going to be substantially thinner than that ceramic knife and still be stronger. And so you're going to basically be able to put more force into it, but you won't need to, because it's a thinner knife. You know, the blade thickness makes a big difference when you're making deep cuts. So.
0: Yep. Yeah, definitely. It, um, especially if you're breaking down, breaking down bigger, bigger cuts of meat. Um, you are really going to be jamming that bigger, you know, that thicker blade through it.
1: Correct. And the ceramic knives, of course, because they are inherently brittle, you don't want to their, – their mode of failure isn't bending. It's breaking. Yeah. And
0: so
1: <laughs> you don't want that chipping inside of the, you know, the meat you're cutting. So if you're trying to work around a bone or, you know, breaking down a, a pork butt or something like that to, to, to debone it – you know, you don't want to use any knife to pry, but if you do put side force in that ceramic, there's a chance you're going to break off small pieces of that ceramic and end up in that meat. You, you, you don't want that. It, it probably doesn't taste, you know, bad, but I, I bet it hurts.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So when you guys were making the, the home unit kind of – because you guys do make commercial units also, correct? If I'm not wrong? We, yeah, we make,
1: we make units for – um we have actually all the way to industrial and drill bit sharpening and end mill sharpening that type of okay. stuff. I mean, our knife sharpeners were mostly in the uh, I would say at the the prosumer and all the way down to the home home consumer. So um, we have units. We have a, a, a version that's used as a you know sharpening service regularly. Um, there's a number of knife companies that use this for their re-sharpening service and uh, lots of knife makers that use our tools for that. Um, they're not big commercial, you know, giant units. These are still a small benchtop unit that you can use. Um, but, uh, most of, most of what we do is on the consumer, the serious consumer level, you know, and that's, uh, that's where this sharpener falls is the idea was, is we're going to take the technology that we can use at a, you know, a, a commercial or professional level and then play it down and just simplify it for the home user to use.
0: So now my question is what were some of the struggles you guys went through to do that? Cause obviously you guys didn't, you know, put one out and then you're like, yep, that's it. We're done. Yeah,
1: yeah. no, probably. uh I, I'm looking at the wall behind me, but I, I think there's 25 versions of that sharpener on the, on the wall behind me that I started with. And, um, getting the sharpener to be uh you know compact was a huge one. We we took what's we have a, another sharpener that has essentially all the same features at twice the foot twice the footprint. So packaging that down to a tiny footprint meant, you know, redesigning this thing over and over again to try and fit all of the same stuff. It runs the same size of belt in a package half the size, you know, to run the, I mean, the speed one- control.
0: Like I I know, like I'm trying to pick, it's downstairs in my kitchen right now. It's probably what, maybe eight inches, nine inches long, somewhere around there. And then it's like five inches high, if that, and and it's maybe four inches wide. So it's not a huge unit.
1: Yeah. And we, we changed the form factor on it So a lot of sharpeners today are are wide and you know a low depth and that takes up a lot of counter space so you're eating up you know almost a foot of counter space to put a sharpener on it and so we made this thing it's only four four and a half inches wide and that way you're consuming very little counter space to keep this thing out yeah it's a
0: triangle
1: yeah that little triangle sits nice you know sitting next to a knife block and i store mine you know knife blocks are sloped on the black tip typically and i i store mine right on the top of the knife block on the back of it
0: oh yeah you could do that yeah that's a
1: But getting it getting it really compact, and the other one was just figuring out the, we call it a recipe, but figuring out the recipe to eliminate most of the belt change that you would normally need to do. When, and you that know, was going to be
0: my time. next question. Like, how did you guys kind of do that? How did you settle on where you were?
1: So most knife sharpening is done in a progression, you know, whether it's on stones. So you talked about yeah. your stones. You have yep. two double-sided stones, right? So you're going to go through four grits where you start with a coarse grit and you go through stages to refine each you know, scratch pattern of the previous operation.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and we have sharpeners that we do that with manual sharpening and power sharpening. We go through that grit progression. Um, the idea with this sharpener was to eliminate all of that. So you actually get a working knife off of the first belt. And what we did was substituted the change in grit with some pretty fancy abrasive and then a change in speed and pressure. And so, the abrasive we use on those sharpeners have uh, it's a ceramic grain that ha- it's basically a larger grain made out of millions of tiny grains and so in your water stone think of the, the the coarsest stone you'd ever buy is the shape of our main coarse grain well it's built out of that that is a ceramic each one of those little grains you see is a ceramic stone and then inside of there on the surface of that is millions of tiny grains so when we cut at high speed and higher pressure, the, it acts like a large grain. So you get one kind of big, large cutter that can cut and remove material. If we need to take a lot of material off the knife, and then as we back the speed and pressure down, that large grain quits cutting, and now the little tiny grains that are on the surface of that start cutting, and those basically refine the surface. And so in reality, instead of having to switch belts, you can basically go to a burr-free edge from, you know, a, a coarse work to a burr-free edge all in one step, we just do it automatically inside the machine. So there's a little tiny computer inside the machine that varies the speed. And our system, when the, when the speed drops down, the pressure on the, the blade also drops. And you've seen on your machine, we drop it down to the point where you can just about stick your tongue on the thing. It's spinning so slow.
0: Yeah, it, it slows down quite a bit. It's actually
1: a little bit slower than the speed you would normally, if you, were, if you were pretty quick on a water stone, our lowest speed is actually slower than you'd sharpen on a water stone. And because of that, now we're getting to where only that little fine grit that's built into that larger grain does the cutting. And so we actually refine the cutting edge and get rid of the burr, you know, without oh, having to go to the home. That took a lot of testing. My son and I, um, he he worked with me in, in our test lab for uh, about nine months. Um, we basically build prototypes. um Work on some abrasives, test it for hours and hours and hours, make a tweak, go back. It was a lot of iteration to go figure out the right abrasive and and the uh, right speeds to pull that off and the right amount of pressure it's It's not so much an art, it's just a lot of science, a lot of tests and trials to get to get that to work well the way it did. It was thousands of hours. My son has, you know, you know, a few thousand hours of sharpening on that, that machine you have and its predecessors.
0: <laughs> he has mastered the machine. Yep, <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. um, now, what would you – how do we – how would you tell people, like, when they first get the machine, they set it up, maybe their knives haven't been sharpened ever. You know, they've had them for, let's say, a year and a half. They've never sharpened their knives. They've used them every day. Um, what would you say? What What is their go-to? What would you say they should do right away with their knives?
1: So right out of the box, the machine is shipped ready to go for that. And so, the our our E five sharpener has a button on the front of it with three modes. And so, if your knives have never been sharpened, and let's say they're you know, like you said, they're they're twenty year old knives or something like that, I would just go right. You just triple click that button. <laughs> and then pull the guides until the machine shuts off. And what that's going to do is that's gonna, the machine's going to go to its, its fastest speed, and it's going to get that knife into shape. It's going to stay at that speed for a while, and you'll see as you're using it, it drops down to a low speed and refines that edge. A lot of knives, even if they haven't been sharpened in years, you need one cycle through, and that thing's ready to go. So I basically push the button. I'll pull through until the machine shuts off. Once it shuts off, I go straight to a bell pepper. That's my favorite test. and and do the skin side up so cut on the skin side and so when that knife is even though it's not honed out and it you know you don't have a shaving edge necessarily at that point you want the weight just the weight of that blade don't push at all you should be able to set that edge on a bell pepper on its skin side and just drag it and if you have to drag more than you know half an inch or an inch your knife's not ready yet and so you'll just go back you know hit the button again and run it through another cycle you just repeat that until you're you're able to the weight of the blade should pierce through the bell pepper just fine, even a light knife like a paring knife, the weight of that paring knife should actually cut through that bell pepper skin on its own yep. that's before you even refine it, you know, yeah. like on your fourth stage waterstone, you would do I make sure the first stage of the waterstone will actually do that once it's actually able to do that, then you can compress you know, you know progress through the the next stages to refine that if you want yeah, uh, we actually recommend for most people stop there. Once you've done that first stage, you don't even have to hone it. That thing's ready to go. That's a nice toothy edge. It's a, it's what I call an entry level shave. It's just to that point where it will shave. It's, it's burr free, but it's got tons of tooth, little micro teeth or micro serrations in the blade. And that thing cuts, it slices beautifully at that point. You know, that knife will handle because it's got more tooth. It handles more board engagement, more bone engagement. You know, if you do hit a bone when you're, when you're breaking an animal down, that will, uh, last a lot longer in that environment than if you polish the knife out. If you want to progress through, you can go straight to the hone, or you can go through the belt progression, you know, and go all the way down to like a four micron hone. That will produce that, you know, straight razor, you know, comfortably shave your your face type of thing. And it cuts wonderfully well. And I do take um, some knives to that level. The knives that I'm breaking down my raw cuts, I typically go to that level of sharpness. It makes it really easy if you're trying to part, like take a silver skin. I was I did a bunch of tri tip this weekend and get these that silver were, skin off. These are whole untrimmed. You know, you've got a, that's, that under the fat layer, there's a silver skin sitting right against one side of that tri tip. And it doesn't peel off well like it does off the of ribs or something like that. Yeah. And so it, a little bit more knife work. That's a place where I like that just crazy sharp edge where I just go touch it. I'm not slicing. I just pulled on that silver skin. I just tap the knife as I pull it up, you know, and peel that off. And it kind of skins itself if it's really sharp.
0: Yeah. Um, you got that nice sharp blade and you just start going. Correct. Whew, correct. It just goes.
1: And it takes the effort. You're not pulling really hard on everything. There's not a lot of muscle effort going into doing, you know, just breaking something down when it, when that blade's that sharp.
0: And you're also, I mean, you're also preserving uh, more of your product. You. Correct. You exactly. aren't you, you don't have to dig that knife in so deep. Um if you have a dull knife, sometimes you can't get right underneath that silver skin. You have to almost put pressure down to go yep. deeper and really take a decent amount off. Um yep. and that, that that's I mean, you're throwing away your product. Yeah. Yeah, it just and it's is.
1: The, the sharper knife will save more of that. The, the one exception where I tend to not use the really sharp knives is if I'm skinning fish. Is that uh When you're when you're taking those off, and if you you, it's possible to get them too sharp, where the thing will just go right. If you you can't ride the skin anymore, it wants to just clip right through everything. You know. Yeah. So when I'm when I'm on raw on raw meats, you know, fillet and fish is one of those cases where I actually actually prefer a little more tooth on it. Um,
0: A little more grip, almost.
1: Yeah. For cooked meats, for almost all vegetables, I prefer a toothier edge. So I I basically take the knives. I've got a couple of. Seven-inch butcher knives, you know, classic butcher knife with a deep belly curve at the end. That I, uh, I take those. Those are, are are always in that what I would call tree-topping sharp. They're so sharp you can, you know, top the top the hair off in your arm without touching your arm, type of thing. <laughs> the the hair-whittling type sharp. I keep those knives in that condition, and the rest of my knives, I keep with a toothier edge, kind of stock edge, straight off the machine, without any of the belt progression. Um, that edge just holds up longer, and it, quite frankly, slices better because that little bit of tooth makes it a better slicing edge. You
0: know? So now when you say tooth, just so, just for people that don't know, um, can you explain that a little bit?
1: So you, you think about a cutting edge. It's just two surfaces, you know, each side of the blade that intersect at an edge. If you had two mere polished surfaces, those would intersect at a very fine edge. There would be no striation to it. Um, what tooth is is if you have a little bit of coarser, one or both of those um, those surfaces that intersect at an edge, if they have a little bit of you know of groove in them, when they intersect the other side, they'll produce a little sawtooth. Now the teeth are so small you can't see them. It's something oh, yeah. you kind of feel when you're cutting, you know. And uh, uh, a lot of sharp, you know, professional sharpeners will aim for having a they they get the feel for the right amount of tooth that they like, and they have a process for making that. You can make tooth on a stone, you know. It, there, there's a lot of uh, kind of old school guys out there that, that sharpen on a file. They like the tooth that comes off of a file that's, it's a tooth big enough. You can see, you know, um, but those act more, those are great for slicing. That's when you're drawing the blade through something as you're cutting it. Um, but if you're plunge cutting, um, that tooth tends to be restrictive for that. So when you're trying to take that silver skin off you're plunge cutting, you just want to touch the knife and have it peel itself off, you know, That's a plunge cut. So you want that highly refined, very, very smooth edge. The one that won't catch your fingernail is so smooth.
0: Yep. You
1: know, if you're basically cutting, think of breaking down a, a, you know, a winter squash or cutting through a sisal rope or something like that. If you have a highly refined knife, it may hit that that hard surface and just slide on it because it's going to skate. It doesn't have enough bite in it to actually cut through those fibers. That's where a little bit of tooth makes a huge difference cutting that down, you know.
0: Yeah, it's, it it grips a little bit different. It's right. it's a um, it's a whole different cut. You yeah. you're definitely you're definitely correct, um, especially like on like a squash something like yeah. that's big. It yeah. ne- you kind of if you have that mere you know sharp edge, you almost got to push more into the nut. You got to give correct. more pressure into it, and that's going to dull that blade out. Yeah, it just is.
1: Yeah, think of a of a. The example I always use is a, is a fresh, like steam-proof, steam-proof loaf of bread straight out of the oven. The outside surface of that will be a nice crust, you know, a good hard, crispy crust, and inside is the softest, you know, fresh, warm bread that's in there. When you try and cut that with a that razor sharp knife, that the crust of that, especially if you have got any sugars or anything in that thing that's con, that's converted in there, you've got an almost glass surface, and that razor sharp knife just slides on it. It doesn't want to cut through it, so you end up, just like you said, you end up using more force with that mirror polish than you would if you had a little bit of tooth in that. Yeah. So we like to add a little bit of tooth in cause it'll slice through that outer surface and then still cut really well through the insides, you know, yeah. whereas serrated knife would, would get through the outside, but then it would shred everything that's inside. Cause it has the, the teeth are too big. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're kind of anti serrated here is, is, that we believe we can sharpen a knife better than a serrated you, for most applications um, we can make a knife sharper, and cut better than a serration ever will for you. And because we make sharpeners, you can resharpen it really easily, right? (laughs) Not not that edge wear now.
0: Yeah. I mean, that, and that's very true. So person gets their knives home, sharpens them, go through it, do the pepper test. The pepper test sounds fantastic. That is a, that is a really nice test. Um, I, I sharpen my knives until, and then I try shaving my arms with them. And if they shave, they cut. So we keep going. Uh, but I like my knives razor sharp. It's just what I've, I've grown accustomed to um, it's what feels comfortable in my hand. It goes where I need it to go. And it's a personal preference. Um, yep. I think that's something that's, you know, most people, most at home people don't need to do. Um, but,
1: but it's sure is It sure is nice when you get your, when you use a knife like that, it's just, it's fun to use it. You know, it kind of scares my wife when she picks up. You know, because I've got you know, dozens or maybe a hundred knives in my kitchen, and <laughs> she knows the ones to stay away from that that, that make her nervous. You know, I've I, I I like to take knives to that ridiculous level of sharpening. You I call them Adam slitters at this point. It, it feels like if you just waved it through the air, the you know, I'd, I'd split some molecules and the universe would end or something, but definitely I like are. to take knives. Those, those are more for fun because if you engage a cutting board with that, you're going to lose that edge really quickly, you know.
0: Of course, yeah. There's, it, a,
1: there's a wide range of preference of edges, and I, I like it all. So I've got knives and I run really coarse, and I've got knives that I, you know, like I say, I could do, you know, uh, brain surgery on and feel comfortable with. It's just and our, our sharpeners, pretty much every one of our sharpeners we make allow you to produce that range of blade. You know, you can make that highly refined, crazy sharp edge, or you can um, basically make that utility, that toothy, you know, great slicing knife. That's and, that's all built into the capability of our equipment. That's and I was the gonna say of... you
0: don't need much else. At yeah. that point, you're cover you're you're so covering yourself it's fantastic. Yeah. And I love it.
1: Another thing we try and do is that basically all of our sharpeners have replaceable abrasives, you know, a sharpener really is a cutter just like any machine tool. It'd be like buying a drill press, but having the drill bit built into it and you can't replace the drill bit. So you've got a $300 drill press with a $10 bit on the end. Of it and once the drill bit wears out, you're done. You can't do anything with it. So we don't build sharpeners that way. We make all of our sharpeners have replaceable abrasives because that's, what's going to wear out first. So everything we have the idea behind it is you buy this sharpener. It will last you a lifetime because you can change the abrasives out, you know, as they wear out. We, and we now- build every, everything else inside is built to run forever. Nice ball bearings, you know, good metal, you know, all the the moving, important moving parts are all built out of steel or, or you know, metal castings, and they're they're made to last a lifetime. The one thing that we guarantee is going to wear out, I don't care what abrasive you use, it's going to wear out. We make that replaceable and easily replaceable so you can... You can replace it when it wears out. The other thing it allows you to do is upgrade it. You can run better abrasives or different abrasives. You can, you know, if, if you like your knives where you like them highly refined, you can put, you know, four micron abrasives on there and have something that makes a mirror polish. If you've got a bunch of knives that are in really rough shape, put a coarse one on and actually go in and get those shaped,
0: you know. Yeah. And that, that, that was good. my, my question was, how long do your belts last? What, what do you guys recommend for your, let, let's say your, maybe above average home cook. So somebody that, that, that is taking care of their knives is actually using it. You know, maybe they're, maybe they're honing, uh, they're honing after each time they use it. They, they sharpen maybe once or twice a month.
1: Yeah. So if you're uh, once or twice a month, I'd expect you'll get two to three years out of a set of belts. Okay. They, um, now the difference is, is the the first time you sharpen, depending on what shape your knives are in, you may have spent, Let's say you have a standard block and you've got you know 11 knives or 10, 12 knives or something in that you went through. You could have one knife in there that you've had for 20 years and pretty beat up. That one knife, you might have spent 45 minutes on getting it back into shape. And so you took some belt life on those. But we always put extra belts in every every machine that goes out. Um, but, so what we say is in standard sharpening, you're going to get a minimum of 100 sharpenings per belt. Um, okay. So you're sharpening twice a month, right?
0: You got some time.
1: You got 50 months on that, on, on one belt, and we put extras in the machine, right? So you, they're built in, the belts actually store inside the machine. And so the, the spares are already built in there. For most people, the, the, the E5 sharpener like you have, um, I'd expect they might change their belts, you know, um, get replacement belts once every five years.
0: Ooh, really?
1: Yeah. And That's a, and a, a
0: lot. Okay, that's Back a lot.
1: Ten bucks or fifteen bucks, you know. Okay, that
0: was a lot longer than I, I was even expecting. Like, yeah. you just you kind of blew my mind. that I thought it was going to be a lot shorter.
1: It's a ceramic. We use a ceramic grain, and so the grain is not. It looks like sandpaper, but it's not. It's actually, you know, your your sharpening stones. You use each one of those grains is basically a tiny little sharpening stone. So there are multiple layers. Yeah. So as as the surface of it wears out, those. The dull grains slough off and exposes new grains underneath, and so that allows that that belt to run much longer than a conventional belt will. You know, and you can buy you know aftermarket replacements for for our machines that will work. You'll just go through belts you know almost ten times as fast as you will by using the the special ones that we, that we built into the machine.
0: And they're how much? Yeah. That you said they're fifteen dollars. I think they're fifteen.
1: Yeah, I think it's fifteen dollars for a for a full set. Yeah.
0: And then you guys also send it, sell an expansion pack, which yep. um, gives you, I believe it's three or four. Is it four belts?
1: I, I believe it's four belts. We okay. go from uh, a course, 120 grit. We actually have a, there's a blue belt in that expansion pack. Yeah. Yeah. That's a zirconia alumina belt. That's, meant if you've got knives that are really bad shape, you've got some big chips, you've got a tip broken on it and stuff, that's the belt I recommend to go get your knife back into shape really quickly. It saves you from having to run a really high speed or, you know, risk damaging a blade. It's a stiffer belt with a, a, a uh, an abrasive grain and a compound on it that's designed to basically take material off really quickly without heating the knife up. And so... You get that blue belt for you know, basically for repairing and restoring, you know, old blades or damaged blades, and then you'll get um, basically from 120 grit all the way down to four micron. The four microns cuts about the equivalent to what uh, say a four thousand grit waterstone would. It's somewhere I between a four and a six thousand grit waterstone.
0: I mean, that's going to give you that's going to polish.
1: Yeah, with three belts in between that, so you have a, a, a nice belt progression. To give you that either mirror finish or that nice toothy edge, depending on what your preference is, and you can and, fix knives. When, when I when I will go to like the local uh, butcher shop, and we'll do a little Saturday free sharpening down there. That's how I do most of my testing. We <laughs> will just I'll build a prototype and I'll walk down. We we uh, have the butcher shop, you know, put a Facebook ad out or a radio ad out saying, "Hey, free sharpening on Saturday,"
0: and they love and, it. Uh, it brings people in. Yeah. And-
1: brings people in. They they sell some meat, and then we get to sit there and sharpen really dull knives. All our knives around here are sharp, obviously. So <laughs> we, we have to work to find some dull knives. So we'll sit down there and sharpen knives. And you know, I've had some pretty rough stuff that it only takes a few minutes to get them back into shape. I had a nice uh, shun kitchen knife, um, uh, shun premier, you know, nice Damascus, beautiful hammered steel knife that the customer brought in that he had. He was putting on a magnet behind his stove, and it slipped off the magnet. Fell behind the stove, and you know, that big 240 volt plug behind your stove, it yeah. fell across two line terminals on it and blew a huge hole in his knife. <laughs> it was a hole big enough to stick your finger into on the cutting edge. Jeez. And it took me about 35 minutes, but I took that blue belt and recovered that knife for him. It was basically a threat. He's like, if you can do anything with this, great. You know, if not. But I sat down on that blue belt and was able to recover that knife. You know, it wasn't as big as it used to be, but it, it,
0: I was yeah, gonna say, in, was smaller, you know? <laughs> you had to take some steel
1: off. It was just smaller, you know.
0: Yeah, to take some steel. You made a custom shape for them. Yeah. you gave them a custom size.
1: <laughs> you know, that's a bit of an extreme case, but you know, you can recover. You know, that usually the knives that I end up sharpening for people that are most valuable to them are these heirloom knives. You know, I've I've sharpened knives that are two hundred and fifty, three hundred years old that have been passed down from generation to generation, and. That's why we you know, we design this equipment so that you can get the speed down very low and and not wear that knife out. You know, I've got a, a local chef who's who's using knives that are you know almost 300 years old, Jeez. 250 years old, and and they're family knives from you know from when they they immigrated to this country years and years ago. And so it was it's a it's they're really important to her. She wants to be able to use them, and so we set her up with a machine that she can go in and just do that low speed on that four micron. And uh, you know it would take her a thousand years to wear that knife down at that rate because that that machine's so gentle at that stage. It does put the edge back on the knife, you know, keeps it sharp, but it doesn't wear it out.
0: And I think that's so important because I, I think that's what most people don't understand. And it it, it will kind of go into the end of the podcast with this. Um, what do you? What should you stay away from? Obviously, you guys want people to buy your knife sharp, sharpener, yeah. and I will. I will. I a hundred percent stand behind that. Um, it is—it's a fucking fantastic knife sharpener. It really like when I got when I got the email. They're like, "Hey, we really want to start, you know, talking to you. We want to send you this knife sharpener." I was like, "Okay, cool, whatever." And then I got it, and I was like, "Holy!" Shit. <laughs> this thing's no, it, Like this thing is like fantastic, and, and, and it and it's nothing against anybody. But sometimes we get some we get some people that will reach out to us, and they're like, "Hey, I really want you to you know deal with this. Like, you know, I want you to play with this." And I'm like, "You know what? You need to go spend fifteen or twenty more minutes on this idea before you bring it to market." Yeah, you guys did not need to spend that time. You 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 literally the the machine is so nice and compact um it's lightweight it it's pretty it's it's pretty to the eye um thank you and i think that's very important because if you're gonna leave something on your countertop you really don't want to be like that thing's ugly you just don't you don't you don't want that like in it you know what i mean like you you want your you want your kitchen to look nice yeah. And it it has it has like it has that feel as a high end appliance inside of a kitchen, and that's yeah. we make, fantastic. We make
1: we make ugly sharpeners too. If that's your thing,
0: <laughs> <laughs> if that's your we thing, make they make it. Don't look, don't we, get me
1: wrong. We make lots of stuff that looks really good on, on your workbench in the garage, but but again the you know the idea behind this thing is. You know, we wanted this thing to be a counter trophy. We want this thing to be able to live on your counter and not disrupt your workflow, and also not, you know, not degrade from the look and appearance of your kitchen. Because
0: you let's know. be honest, if it didn't live on your countertop, how often not would you gonna, use it?
1: You're not going to use it if it's not out there,
0: right? You know? You'd be like, yeah. oh, I got to sharpen the knives. I don't remember to. Uh, I got to. Uh, yeah, I got to go get it out and whatever. But no, it, it's small enough to where it just it sits there. It's fine. It's perfect. Um, what would you tell people to be weary of when they are buying a knife sharpener?
1: You know, there's a, a lot of good products on the market. Um, you want to stay away in, in power sharpening. You want to stay away from stuff that doesn't have some sort of speed regulation. You know, you 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 need a lower speed than most motors want to run, and so. We design all of our sharpeners, especially for kitchen knives, because they're really thin. All of our sharpeners for kitchen knives are all designed with a speed control inside of it. So we we control the speed to keep it from getting too high and doing damage to your knife. Um, We prefer on power sharpening to use flexible abrasives. All of our power sharpeners only use flexible abrasives. The reason behind that is it prevents you from ever doing damage to the knife. You can't push too hard. And overheat the blade you can't take off too much material in one spot if you pause for a second the the abrasive is got the give it limits the amount of force you can apply so our sharpeners have an edge guide in it so as you're dropping the knife in the knife hits this rolling edge guide and then you can't push down anymore the machine limits the amount of pressure that goes into it and then the abrasive flexes to conform to the to the blade itself so the only sharpening pressure you're getting is generated by the the springs that we'd actually drive the flexible abrasive with, um, it prevents you from doing damage. So stay away from things that have rigid wheels that aren't spring There's some, there's sharpeners out there that, that, that you basically push into it. And if you push too hard, you'll, you'll overheat or ruin a knife or take off too much material in a couple of seconds, you know, if you've got the skill set, if you're comfortable using a bench grinder on your knives, then you can use those sharpeners just fine. But I only recommend that for people who've really comfortable using power tools on their fine kitchen knives. You know, otherwise, stay away. From, yeah, stay away from that. Um, I always encourage everybody. You know, even if you don't buy our sharpener, go go try sometime. Get yourself a waterstone and just give it a shot. You know, it's 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 worth it. Like like you were saying, it's it's a it's unlikely you're going to damage your knife because it's material removal rate is so slow. <laughs> yeah. Right. You're not going to hurt your knife with a water stone, whatever you do, you can recover it, but there's a good chance that it's something you'll enjoy doing. It's, it's, it's a good skill to have, you know? Um, but if you don't have the patience to learn, cause that's what it takes. It takes a lot of time and it takes hours to go learn how to use a water stone and get a feel for that edge and a feel for how much pressure, how to hold the angle. So if you're not comfortable doing that, or quite frankly, you just would rather be cooking or eating, <laughs> yeah, right, then go get an electric sharpener. That's what electric sharpeners do is they basically save you time. It makes your life better, is the idea. You know, spend less time, you know, doing the maintenance task and more time doing the fun thing you wanted to do. You know,
0: and I, I think you guys, I think you guys did a hell of a job putting it into this package. Um, I mean, now even thinking about it, I think I, I have an iPhone. X, I have the bigger one, um, and I, I think it's damn near almost like the same size as your guys' knife sharpener. It may be a little <laughs> bit sm- a little bit smaller, but that's just, I'm just saying that for people to think about how small this unit actually is and how big of a punch it really packs. It, it yeah. is a very, very compact unit. It's not something that um, you're going to be, it's going to be bulky. It's. It, it's something that you can almost... I mean, shit. If, if you're a camper, you if you have power, you can bring it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Competition, guys. Um, you can bring this to the competition, and it's not it's not big, and it's not bulky, and it's not you know it's not going to take up a bunch of space in your bin. It's yeah. just going to make your life easier.
1: We have a lot of barbecue, you know, catering companies that do large wedding and you know large stuff, and so I've got a guy that his his typical thing is three hundred to a thousand head every time, and. The poor guy's doing doing brisket, you know, long cook stuff for that many people. I got to I got <laughs> to tell you, that's an awful lot of work for him to do that. Yep. But he's got so much knife engagement, you know, even in serving what he's doing that he goes through multiple knives, and so he takes one of these sharpeners and sharpens it right there out of his rig. You know, he's got a nice twenty foot trailer and you know, giant cooker that he runs on this thing, and he set it up with power on it, and he sharpens sharpens knives as he's going right in there because. You know, the presentation at some of these high end events that he does is important. If you're cutting through that meat that you spent the last, you know, 18, 20 hours on with a dull knife and shredding the thing, it ruins the presentation. The, the yep. plating is really important to these guys. So having that knife always be sharp is really important to that presentation. Even yeah. if you're doing it, for, you're doing it for home when you, you spent all night working on that brisket and you were tending those coals, you know. You, you don't yeah. want to cut the – mangle it when you go serve it. You want to have good, clean slices. And a big thing is, you know, have that crust still on there. Don't cut through that thing and have – you know, break that bark off and have the bark sitting over on the side. Is get a good, clean cut. Yeah. And quite frankly, it takes a crazy sharp knife to do that
0: right. Exactly. It does. It really it, – it takes it, – you will eat a brisket up with, yeah. with a dull knife. Yeah. yeah. And it's going to look like you just shredded it.
1: Yeah. You take all that time developing that bark. You want that bark in every slice. Yep. You know what I mean?
0: So normally we end the podcast with me asking you give us three tips. Obviously you are a cooker yourself, which is fantastic. But if you can give us three tips that you know now that if you could give yourself about knives, knife skills, anything, knife sharpening to when you first started playing with knives, what would be your three tips?
1: Um. Buy less knives and buy good ones early, right? Um, quit fiddling around. Don't don't buy a, a twenty-piece set of of mediocre knives. Buy one or two really good knives. Tip number one: one or two really good knives. You don't need a hundred knives. One or two great knives is is will be better than than twenty crappy knives. Yep. Buy good knives. Um, find some way to do maintenance on those knives, even if you're not going to do the uh, the heavy sharpening. Find a way to, that you're comfortable with doing maintenance, whether that's a steel. If you can learn the skill of a water stone, do a stone. Use a guided honing rods like we have or, or some power sharpeners so that you can do the maintenance on that thing and then do the maintenance, right? Yep. Find something you're comfortable with and do it. Avoid the pull-through sharpeners, you know, those little carbide rippers you'll see on the market. They're, they're easy to use, but they do more damage to fine knives than they do good. So get something that's a, a good hone, a good steel, or a good, you know, gentle power sharpener for doing your, your, your you know, frequent touch-up on that thing. Whether that whether you're doing it every day or, like, you know, steel you need to do probably every day to, to keep that knife sharp. If you've got uh, a, a good low-speed power sharpener, you probably only do, need to do that once a week to once a month, you know. But find something you're comfortable with because that will make that good knife you've got last your lifetime. Yep. And then the, the third thing with that, so you've 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 got a good knife, you've got a way to maintain it. And then the third one is is just the maintenance and the care for that knife besides that. You know, good knives shouldn't be going in the dishwasher.
0: Oh, why right? not?
1: It's hard on the steels, it's hard on the handles, it actually it's it's surprising how fast you'll lose an edge. Just oh yeah. With, you will. The chemicals that are in the dishwasher, that heat and that, that extra, that chemical that's, you know, eating all that gunk off your food also, you know, erodes that edge on the knife and the knife's in there banging around against other things. You know, it just causes you more work. It's more maintenance than actually just treating the knife, you know, so hand wash your knife. Um, always dry it when you're done. Don't leave it sitting there, especially if you're using carbon steel knives, cut, rinse, you know, and dry it. Don't leave it wet because those carbon steel knives, the edge will corrode off of them as they go. You know, the the first two good knives you get, um, if you treat them well, they should take you to the grave. You know, that's that you should, most people, even if they're doing commercial work, two good chef's knives, you know, a large knife and a small knife should last you your entire lifetime. Just focus on that maintenance. You don't have to get really high in steels, just get good quality knives and have a good way to do the maintenance. Even if it's not our product, pick something to do that maintenance, you know.
0: I would, I recommend their product. It, it is worth, it is worth it. Um, it, it puts on a beautiful edge and it definitely, definitely packs a huge punch for it being so small. It is very quiet too. I know we mentioned, you mentioned that earlier in the podcast. Um, it is, it is insanely quiet. Um, I thought it was going to be a lot louder, but that's because, I mean, it's a grinder you're not a grinder, but you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's a machine that's moving. So you would imagine like. There to be more
1: noise. <laughs> my, my goal was that that, that that refined speed, the lowest speed setting on there, sounded like your knife on a waterstone. I wanted you that to get that same that sound sh- out of the thing. Yeah, you you get that too. It, it, it's I'm, close. I'm dead serious about this. I spent hours and hours and hours tuning that thing to get that sound down. That was important. It's kind of a Zen thing when you're using this thing is you want to basically feel – that same i'm a i'm a waterstone guy too and so it was kind of like i really had this thing a winter once once i got that sound down that sound and that feel it's just so gentle to your blade
0: you know i i definitely agree with you it, it it uh now that you say it i never i never put those two and two together but definitely it definitely has that 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 sound that you get from that stone and it almost calms you like it definitely does it, it's, it's something for if, you, if you're a dorky knife sharpener person and you sharpen your own knives and you spend hours um honing those on stones and, and doing stuff like that um you'll know you'll know what we're talking about uh, <laughs> if you don't whatever just it's awesome but i uh, like that with that said i want to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast hanging out with us, chatting knives and and sharpeners and and educating our audience about that. Um, If you can do me a favor, tell me where they can follow A, the journey online, so any social media, and where they can buy one of your knife sharpeners.
1: So, uh, you know, we build them everything right here in Ashland, Oregon. Um, We've got a great customer service team. Everything's built here. If you call and talk to somebody, you're talking to somebody, you know, right across the the hallway from my desk. So um, they're built just down the hallway from me. So we're a local company. Um, just give us a call. We do have a Facebook. We've got a website. Go to worksharpculinary.com. Um, we're, our products are for sale at, at Williams-Sonoma, um, your local kitchen store. If you've got a specialty kitchen store next to you, it's probably carrying our product. It's on Amazon, all the usual online places you'll find it. Um, uh, but if you ever have any quick questions, feel free to give our team a call. Um, give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you're talking about meat, I love talking about barbecue. So
0: he'll sit and talk to you for hours. you be like, wait a minute, I had a knife question. I swear. Um.
1: <laughs> I'm always looking for tricks from people who are, uh, you know, hanging over a smoker as, as much as I do, or more than I do. So I'm always willing to learn from all that.
0: Fantastic, man! Thank you so much for uh, coming on the show, chatting with us. Um, you guys, you guys do, you guys make a tr- tremendous knife sharpener. So I want to say thank you so much. Thank you. Man, that was awesome. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, no problem. So that was fun.
0: We we went for over an hour. Oh, wow. Crazy how it, how it kind of.